Welcome to the Society of British Dental Nurses podcast, sponsored by Horton Consulting. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Laura Horton and I am interviewing Fiona Elwood, patron and founder of the Society of British Dental Nurses. Hello, Fiona. How are you? Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. So, Fiona, I've got lots of questions for you about uh, the Society and um, I've, I've got a big list. I hope you don't mind. But there's so much information that uh, I feel has to be shared uh, with our audience. There's so much to get through. So are you ready for my bombardment of questions to you, Fiona? Oh, I'm absolutely ready. And I'm sure there's so much information to share. <laughs> there is. So for everybody who's listening, um, Fiona founded the Society in, in 2016. And uh, here we are, uh, nearing to the end of 2017 already, and it's been quite a journey. And Fiona will share information with you today uh, about the society. Um, but I think the best place to start, really, is asking Fiona why. Why did you set up the society, Fiona? Oh, the big why question. Well, the society was formed simply because there's a huge, we all felt that there's a huge gap um, in this current day and age for dental nursing and dental nurse education. And there's a lack of genuine support that isn't persuaded by either one or, or the other body. And there's a whole host of people who are always coming to us and saying, can you help with this? Can you help with that? And it was inevitable that we needed this fantastic network to try and reach out to up and coming nurses, existing qualified dental nurses, and of course, thinking about the future dental nurses. So that's why the society was set up. Fantastic. So you have on your website some really interesting core values. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and why they're so important to you? Absolutely. Well, the core values, if you look at the website, there are five core values of our work and they're central to everything that we do. So although we have an educational ethos about everything, we still live by the sword of the core values. So our ethos of education and learning is very much an influence on policy and informing change because any change mechanism is linked to the education and the learning of the whole professional group. And we want to look at enhancing the capacity and ability of our membership. And that doesn't mean that people don't have ability, but sometimes they don't quite know how to frame it or work with it or grow with it. And that helps us. Um, put a, a landline down really to support them through our different mechanisms in different ways. And we always place education and learning and experience and growth and development at the heart of our work, as I said before, because we're also passionate about this, but also these things are absolutely paramount to growing the gentleness of now, the future and beyond. And of course, if we look at national priorities and local priorities, the dental team, the dental nurses are very much involved in what's current, in what issues are going on in their area related to dental and oral health. So they have to be sort of confined within our educational core values. And of course, education is the priority, whether it's learning, whether it's skills, whether it's knowledge. We want to support dental nurses in every step of the way of their journey as part of this and that is very much what is underneath our core values. Wow fantastic. 
So for everybody listening, um, I think it's important to let you know, if you don't already know, that Fiona began her career as a dental nurse and has a huge passion for education. You know, Fiona, you've been a, a huge uh, mentor personally to me um, over the, the, well, many years uh, now. And that's right, isn't it? Your passion now sits with education and development of dental nurses. Absolutely. And, you know, education was something that I've always loved. It was something I set off looking at when I was doing my A-levels at school and everything. Um, but my, my path took me down through dental nursing, but I never let that educational piece of me go. And I've loved it. I've grown it. I've developed it. I've taken various qualifications, as you rightly say. I've also um, rounded it off with, with mentoring. I think mentoring and learning is a key um, asset for all of us and we can all share and support others with that but you're right Laura education is is me through and through I, I love it and you know education and dental nursing together is absolutely everything to me Wow, that's so lovely. It really is. So I think just to touch on something that you mentioned there Fiona and I've used the word as well mentoring um, <laughs> it, it's always quite a discussion isn't it to clarify what it actually means and uh, what it's actually about, because I, I feel it gets quite confused. What, what do you think? Oh, it absolutely, it gets confused, and it depends in what context it's being used, who it's being used by, and for what purpose, and also the level of understanding of the person using that. And, and sometimes it's, it's used in, a, in almost a dysfunctional context, but we tend to use mentoring as that um, supporting a network. We don't advise, we actually empower others to look for their own answers and actually centre to all of my mentoring work and the work that I've done with everybody out there is about being person-centred. So actually it's the person that is the centre of the mentoring relationship, not the issue, not the problem. And if you bring mentoring to learning, you will foster something in that person who's learning if you can work with them in a mentoring relationship. And you're right, it gets confused with coaching. But coaching is very different, you know, coaching is end-bound. There is a problem or a solution to be solved. There's almost a product or a reason for doing that. Whereas mentoring is a very different relationship. But don't get me wrong, a mentoring relationship can also be a toxic relationship. <laughs> if you pick the wrong mentor, um, if the mentor hasn't been trained, in the question stems or how to deal with certain areas of things, you know, it can be quite toxic. And also, if that mentor was picked for the mentee, it's not always a compatible relationship. So I think there's a lot to be said of being able to choose your own mentor. And that is something that we hold very dear at the society. We have a mentoring network, which was set up particularly for dental nurses or dental nurse students to access in order that we can support them best. I think it's um, quite emotional, isn't it, mentoring? It's, um, you know, when we're studying, when we're trying to progress as individuals, there's a huge emotional connection to that and obviously a huge amount of dedication as well. And it is very emotional. And I think that really is the distinct difference between mentoring and coaching, isn't it? You know, that coaching can be very, it can be very factual mentoring is very emotional and you're right it's so important to have a great mentor to get the very best from it and I think that's really definitely something that lacks uh, in in dentistry doesn't it in particularly in dental nursing 
So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Laura. It, it's something that isn't there for any of the, the DCP groups, if you like, the dental care professional groups, particularly for nursing. And I know that you, you probably want to come on to wider issues of dental nursing um, as we go through. But if you think about the way dental nursing has changed, and yet there is no mentoring relationship or um, you know backup or support network for these nurses, then I think you, you need to be really, really sure that you've got the right people there. They need um, people, everybody in their career, no matter what professional group you belong to, needs that mentor. But going back to what you said about emotion, there is something to be said about the mentor having what we call emotional intelligence and knowing when to stop, you know, when the cutoff point is, where the boundaries are, having that contract in place that particularly lays down the boundaries and also knowing when to stop when you're out of your depth. You know, we are not as mentors, we are not counsellors and you have to be very, very clear what we are. Absolutely, because it is emotional, whether it's a <laughs> counselling or mentoring, that that, is, that fine line is not to be crossed. I think that's a really unique uh, aspect um, of the society and that, you know, you offer mentoring um, to your members. I think that's so unique and uh, really quite special. And what else does the society offer to its members, Fiona? The society is, is unique in, in, in itself in that there are um, a number of ambassadors and you know, looking at 13, 14, even more, we have what we call a hub of ambassadors that are all professionals in their own right. They all have expertise in different areas of dentistry and dental nursing. And therefore, we feel that we can offer um, members and followers a great deal of wealth of experience and support in nearly every aspect of dental nursing and dentistry and any questions that come in we can tap into those we also link with some of the other groups so for instance the practice managers group or the orthodontic um, societies so that we have any questions within their field then we have a network an open network an open door dialogue where we can share good practice but I think you know, we do, if you, if you look at the website for our members, we do book reviews, we have an educational exchange journal, uh, we have this network going on, we deal with charities, um, we have a students group, we have student reps, we're always asking what do you want, you know, we need to be led by our membership and not the other way around, so we do represent the membership, we do go to stakeholder meetings, as we should be because it informs what is going to happen in the future and, and the change that are coming but more important to us is that we give to our members what they need wow that's fantastic because there are so many changes um you know that are going to be happening in dentistry over the next 10 years just like they have in the past and um there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of worry at the moment as well isn't there from dental nurses there are quite a lot of, of concerns about the changes, but if you, you, know, you rightly say, if you look at 2008 when dental nurses first became registered, dentistry has almost exploded for dental nurses. The changes have been concurrent. So we are seeing, you know, we saw the scope of practice change and, and widen. You know, dental nurses can do far more things than they ever could prior to registration. Um, and a lot of dental nurses are taking on the additional skills. They're out there getting involved in oral health projects, 
know, they're taking uh, the comb beam uh, scans and things like that, which you never could have dreamt of. And to a degree, you know, I think dental nurses today are very, very fortunate in the things that they can do. Some do worry because there are a lot of expectations um, of dental nurses that they will um, take up these additional skills and these new things that are coming along. There's a lot going on with the Chief Dental Officer's Office when they're looking at all the um, integration of skills, um, looking at all of the oral health projects and preventative programmes out there and drawing the team members into that. But many of them wonder how they will fit this into or on top of their current daily work. And it's always that, that balance, that challenge and time and time again we'll say, you will hear nurses say to us, we do all these things, we take all additional qualifications, we're passionate about our jobs, but nobody recognises us. Nobody wants to pay us what we do. So there's all that side of it as well, which is, it's the sadness with the excitement. It's a real mixed bag of, of feelings. And I think maybe um, there's a little bit of angst at the moment about the um, new ECPD. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether you want me to talk about that now or whether you want to add that into the conversation later on. But it's yet another thing that we're getting constant calls about. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, you're right, there's so much going on. Yeah, I feel this is a perfect time, Fiona, just to give us your opinion about the changes uh, that are going to be happening with CPD, because there's a lot of worry out there. And what's your opinion on that? There absolutely is. And I think a lot of the worry is um, one is change because we, we very rarely deal with change well. Um, and secondly, I think it, it's a little bit of the unknown. But in reality, when you really sit down and look at the new enhanced CPD, I wonder whether um, the fact that it's online is a problem. Because in reality, if you were doing CPD as it was expected to have been done from 2008, there isn't much change. So, you know, taking a look at the hours, the dental nurses themselves will only have to do um, a minimum of 50 hours of uh, verifiable CPD. The hygiene and therapist will be doing 75. So there's no differentiation between the groups. There is no um, verifiable, sorry, non-verifiable CPD. Although I would encourage uh, dental nurses to continue reading, continue looking and reading things that perhaps are not on their core curriculum. But also looking at core, it's a key word really, it's a buzzword, isn't it? We've always been consumed with what is core. Well, actually the GDC are making it more and more transparent that the CPD that you should be doing as a dental nurse should be relative and related to the clinical activity that you undertake. Or for that matter, any activity that belongs to you in your daily work. So taking that bigger step further, if you think about tutors, then a lot of their CPD needs to be related to education, to training, and the subjects that they are actually teaching. So that, that is something that is perhaps new. Now, they will have to develop a personal development plan, but many people already do. And a personal development plan is nothing to be scared of. It is what I call a live document where you sit down at year one and you almost predict the future of what you would like to do over the next year, right up to the next five. 
when you make a plan. The plan is not set in stone, your job might change. So all you do is work to that plan. So say perhaps you needed as an infection control lead, you needed to revisit your infection control skills. So you would put a plan in place of when you're going to do that, who you're going to do it with and how. And then you would put how you have um, recorded that, whether you have a certificate. So you're planning all the time. If the course is cancelled, you just have to put it back in. So you're preparing, you're writing down. So most of us already subconsciously will say, I've got to do X amount of hours. That's all you will be doing, but you'll be putting it on paper. Already we have to reflect. And reflection is the thing I feel that most people are scared of. Because reflection and reflexive practice is a high level skill. And it's something we don't have naturally. We need to be taught to do that. But once we've got that, again, it's something that's not that difficult. It's asking, what have you done? Why have you done it? What did you achieve from that? What will you change as a result of actually doing that activity? Will it inform your future? And there are key questions that are related to reflexive practice. So again, not difficult. And of course, all of the documentation, there are examples, brilliant examples on the GDC website that we talk through as we deliver these courses around the country. So ECPD really is not that much of a challenge. It is a big worry because lots of people are trying to jump on the bandwagon. There's a lot of people who are scaremongering, a lot of people who are trying to make money out of it. But actually, I'm hoping, hand on heart, that if people take the time to plan properly with a PVP, then they will source out good quality if I say effective and efficient, I talk about spending quality time and using your money wisely on courses that are appropriate. And I would never, ever, myself personally, and encourage the members to do the same, take a course without looking at whether it meets the GDC requirements, because so many of them don't. And the minute that slip drops through the door and you are a sample of the GDC and you present the certificates, and you know that it doesn't meet the GDC requirements, you will be short of hours. So I think realistically, ECPD is new, it's change. There are transition models on the GDC if you're mid-cycle, but on the whole, the society will offer advice and guidance anyway, but it's not that much different. So I would say, please don't be scared, ask questions. Yeah, and definitely just be proactive um, here. You know, let's not sit and wait till the last minute. You know, be proactive. And I think one of the key things I've really taken from that, Fiona, is that because they require your CPD to be relevant to your role, therefore, actually, it's so much easier to do a few things, such as your, your development plan, um, to go and talk to your employer and say why you need to do these particular courses. Because, you know, employers often don't want to pay for courses because they think, well, that's how's that going to benefit us or the practice? But if it links directly to your development plan, then it will. And I think writing proactively, um, sorry, reflectively, um, is so much easier when, again, it's attached to your role. If you're doing CPD where it's not 
really going to benefit you or the practice or your role. It's hard to do reflective writing about that. But, you know, I think the changes are positive. And like Fiona says, just we need to embrace them and the society are there to help everybody. So I think, you know, that that's just great. I think it's really key. And there's just one more point that might be worth mentioning, Laura, and that is the dental nurse who um, is panicking, who doesn't want to do additional courses. This isn't about additional courses. This is also for the dental nurse who wants to be better at what she's doing. So you don't have to do additional courses. What you have to do is the CPD that maintains your level of skill or perhaps enhances it. So you can plan just your core CPD that's relevant to you. It doesn't mean to say you have to run courses to do additional skills. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Really is. It's just, you know, not too much to worry about. And I know everyone is, you're right. People are scaremongering and uh, jumping on the bandwagon, which which isn't right, isn't it? So, Fiona, there's lots that you've already mentioned about the society. Can you give us three clear reasons why somebody, uh, not somebody, but a dental nurse or a student dental nurse should join? I think one of the key things for all of us um, at the society is to say, have a hand in informing your future. Because that is key. We, we are where we are now. We can make amendments and changes, but they'll be slight. But let's have proactive people working together to inform the future of dental nurses. So getting involved with the society means that you can be part of a voice, that you can attend meetings, that you can represent the group that you particularly sit with, i.e. the student group, whether it's the implant group, whether it's the infection control group, so on and, and, and so forth, really. So that, that is one um, key reason to join the society. The other one is so that you can be, um, you can learn to be what you want to be, so that you can learn to support others, so that you can host groups, um, so that you can lead on projects. So it's about bringing your strengths out and maybe helping you with some of your so-called weaknesses, although we tend to say that they're areas of talent that just haven't been tapped into. And finally, I think the thing is, um, is to be a more rounded professional group and to help um, the professional group become recognised. So the more people we have as part of the group means that the more that we can get out an event and dental nursing can be put on the ladder. You know, we don't want to be the Cinderella profession of the group. We need to have a voice and we need to be recognised in every corner of dental work and oral care work and preventative streams of work too. Oh, fantastic. And Fiona, you've just mentioned there about members can become involved and represent dental nurses in different areas. How else can people become involved in the society? Well, there, there's so much going on. I don't know how many people listening to this was at, were at the um, showcase recently in Birmingham. If you've been at the showcase recently, um, you would have been um, probably aware of some of the things that we got up to. Um, the first couple of days, and I was speaking on the, uh, the Thursday, the Friday and the Saturday at the NSK stand, and that could be one of our other members. It could be you, whoever's listening. Um, we also, on the Friday, we had a pink bag day, which was for charity work. So we do a lot. We're a non-for-profit organisation. 
So we do a lot for charities and putting back into dental nursing. And particularly on Wear It Pink Day, we had some pink bags made and we sold the bags to raise uh, money for charity. And we have raised money for um, Dentaid this year. We've raised money for the Swallows charity and we'll be up at the Swallows um, event this time. And as I said, breast cancer. And we've also got two of our committee members who are going off to Uganda next year um, with Dentaid. So the charity work, attending the shows and representing the group. We also hosted the Medical Emergencies uh, Conference. We developed a, a guide, a chart, if you like, um, and apparently caused chaos, which was really beautiful to see. But this huge queue of people were lining up at the stand just to get one of these grids after the, the presentation. So you can get involved in acting or reenacting as part of presentations. You can put on local study days. Uh, we're looking to expand our local groups, our regional groups. So again, that's something you can get involved with. We always look for our membership and followers to support us on the stands at any of the conferences we're at. And of course, our charity work takes us um, far and wide. And in fact, on Saturday morning, two of us are actually uh, going to the Champions Tring venue where we are presenting uh, Rachel and Tim Parsons for those of you who know us and have seen them on the oral cancer pictures uh, and also attended our symposium which happens every year. Uh, Rachel and Tim were given a Champions voucher for a day at the health um, spa and we were asked to present that to them on Saturday morning. Um, and I think, and in fact, I'm absolutely sure I shouldn't think our vice chair is actually uh, accompanying me um, on that visit. So you can get involved in so many different things. Well, it's, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? There's so much for dental nurses as members um, and, you know, to become involved and work with the society as well. There's so much there. As you said, you've got the annual symposium. You've got these study groups that you're wanting to get together around uh, the UK. That would be absolutely amazing. You know, we all work really hard as dental nurses in practice, but actually it's quite lonely. It's nice to go and meet people face to face. And it's really a, a feel good society, isn't it? It's about getting everybody in a positive stance rather than a negative one that we can sometimes see online. And I think face to face really helps to to promote that. And sorry, yeah. Yeah, and I was just about to say there's there's one thing that I think people would expect the society to directly offer Fiona, which you don't, and I'd just like clarification on on why that is because you explain it really well but you yourself do not provide indemnity do you well that's an interesting question an interesting um, point really Laura, because the society have worked with um, an indemnity company um, they are an indemnity insurance company called towergate and we sat down with them and we actually helped them develop a policy that we believe is current and is fit for purpose for dental nurses. And what they have come up with, um, and I'm delighted to, to sort of work with these people as are the other key members, is a policy that is um, all encompassed, if you like. So they don't have any bolt-ons for additional duties. 
So the full policy that they offer includes all the additional duties. Unlike some of the, the other groups who potentially add um, additional costs per um, additional skill, depending on the level of risk. And they've also built um, a second policy for us, which I think is also really important and one that people are not always aware of. And that's the part policy. And the part policy is for people who are in the MOD, um, in the secondary care, so in the hospitals and the communities, all of those people who have um, crown indemnity, if you like, and also for those people who work in many of the corporates or who work, who have their indemnity provided by their employer. And the reason this policy has been built is because a lot of those policies, perhaps not all, but they don't cover the um, dental mouse for the GDC hearing. So quite often they'll be covered for the negligence uh, within the practice and, and for the patient. But actually the chances are if there's a negligence case, quite often you will be in front of the General Dental Council. And it's that component that is rarely covered on these other policies. So the part policy is a bolt-on policy to what you already have. Um, normally comes out, and, and I can't say that this is definite price because of the tax and the government, it moves slightly, but approximately £38, depending on, on taxes. So it may fluctuate to 39, um, but very, very rarely will it go above that and, unless you know they make an announcement. So for me, if you don't have your own indemnity, which I would always encourage somebody um, to do that, but I appreciate it's an added cost. The one thing if you work in those environments that I would always encourage you to do is to check whether you are covered for GDC hearings. And if you're not, go to Towergate. We've got a, we've got a code that we give to all our members and followers uh, where they get a discount with Towergate uh, and you would be uh, really silly not to look at that. It's, it's really, really important. And very few people are aware of the fact that they may not be covered, A, for additional duties and B, um, that they may not be covered for the GDC hearing. So when it comes around to ticking that box on the back of the GDC form, that box, when you tick it, means that you have confirmed that you have the right level of cover for the activity you do. It doesn't mean just tick the box because you think you're covered. And that's the whole difference because it's a declaration. So you're giving false information if you tick that and you're not covered for the work that you do. So to go back to your question, Laura, it's not something we provide as a society, but we actually work alongside Towergate to ensure that the, the best deal um, and the best provision can be given to dental nurses. We do um, obviously embrace the other providers. Um, we do talk about those other um, policies um, if people ask us. Um, you know, we do encourage whatever policy we, they take that it's, you know, right to do so. It's just that we've built and worked hard to ensure that all the additional duties were covered for a price that we believe dental nurses can afford. Wow, that's fantastic. There's obviously a lot of hard work that went into um, securing that and making sure that it had everything that dental nurses need. So uh, dental nurses, you need to look at your um, provider and what's actually happening there because it'd be quite a worry, wouldn't it? Worst case scenario, if you weren't covered correctly as you would need to be. So 
Fiona, that draws us to an end. I'd just like to say thank you ever so much um, for answering all of the questions that I've thrown at you today. Um, with no advance warning whatsoever, I will add uh, to listeners. Um, Fiona's amazing with your answers there. It's very, very good. And I really hope that's given all the listeners a really good insight into the society, the benefits of being a member and working alongside the society. And to me, it's about you know a feel-good organization that's there to support dental nurses I think it's fantastic so well done Fiona for setting it up it's it's something that's going to be uh, absolutely huge uh, for all dental nurses so thank you on behalf of dental nurses for setting it up and thank you for everybody who's listening please listen out for uh, further podcasts and interviews that we have coming up in the future thank you very much Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.